Well, it's been a, a week where a lot of depressing and heartbreaking news has come out. It was earlier in the week that the news of Kate Spade's suicide had, had broken and it sent people reeling, sent all kinds of questions and people were wondering anytime a seemingly successful person, somebody who seemingly has it all by, by a lot of people's standards, they, they look and, and they always wonder at times like this, what, what was going through their mind? Why, why would somebody who seemingly had it all together make such a tragic choice? And then before people could really even grieve and mourn Kate Spade's choice, the same happened to Anthony Bourdain. And it left people asking the same kinds of questions. It left people upset. It left people hurt. It left people angry. It left people in anguish. It's it, it just a wide range of emotions when this news breaks and when the news broke. And what we've just seen highlighted this week in, in these two instances, the incident of Kate Spade and the instance of Anthony Bourdain, or a couple things. Number one, life is really hard. Life is difficult. That's why when, when we come here and we come together, one of the things we strive to do is we strive to have fun, unapologetically. We, we, strive, to, we strive to have fun, and, and sometimes we succeed at that, sometimes we don't. But one of our goals when you walk into this place is to, is to make you smile. It's, it's to make you just realize that that there is joy and 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 we understand that a lot of things that we deal with all of us in our lives but collectively as a church a lot of things that we deal with are really heavy things because we walk with people in some of their darkest moments that's what that's what being the church is all about. That's what being a community is all about. That when people are at their darkest hour, they realize they don't have to go through things alone. And, and that is why it is so vital that the people be part of a community like Restoration Church. And that is why we place such a value and such an emphasis on that community aspect of what we do. It's why we have Guys Night. It's why we have Ladies Book Club. And even if you don't read the book and we give you a hard time about it, but we're just joking with you, even if you don't read the book, be there because that's an outlet for you to find community and to be together. Because we all deal with things, and some of us deal with things that are harder than others of us deal with, but all of us walk through this life, and it, in certain times, it's not continual, but at certain times, there are seasons where life is incredibly difficult. And none of us are called to walk through those moments alone. That's why being here, being invested, being engaged, not just in what happens here on Sunday morning, yes, what happens here on Sunday morning, but also being a part of the bigger community is so important because we never want anyone who comes and who calls Restoration Church their own, we never want them to feel like they have to go through life alone. We never want them to feel isolated. We never want them to feel like they don't have people that they can rely on and they can count on. And so from our start, we have tried to build into our DNA the fact that no matter where you are in your journey, that we love you. And we welcome you here, and we want to walk 
beside you. And I just want to encourage those of you who, who are struggling right now and going through a really hard time that, yes, we want you to be part of a community, but I'm not offering you some magic bullet, and I'm not trying to stand up here and say that if you're just part of a community that everything's going to be okay, because it isn't. But it is a lot easier when you're not walking through the darkness, when you're not walking through your struggles all by yourself. And I want to encourage you that you're not going to be marginalized here because you struggle. You're not going to be marginalized or looked down upon because you are going through things. We all have struggles, and because our struggles look differently, we're not going to elevate some struggles and minimize others. This is a place for you, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. We want you to feel the freedom and the openness and the love of others that you can confide in people and know that people have your best in mind and that they are going to support you, they are going to encourage you, and they are going to love you. That is what this community is all about, and that is why it is so vitally important for you to be a part of that. And if right now you're struggling, if right now you feel marginalized, if right now you feel misunderstood, if right now you are fighting things within yourself and you feel like there's nobody I can talk to, I want you to know that that's a lie. That's a lie. And either you've bought into a lie or, and this is going to sound harsh, but I'm just going to speak honestly to you right now because I love you and because you might need to hear something that sounds a little harsh, but at its core is true. One of the greatest problems that, that, that persist and one of the greatest problems that get in people's way from allowing them to break through and to really, really beat things and to really make it through the struggles that they face is their own pride. And you think, well, if I'm, if I'm open and honest about it with anybody, they're just going to marginalize me, and they're just going to look down on me. They're just going to judge me. They're just going to think this way about me. And your own pride gets in the way to the point that you don't tell anybody, and it just your problem just continues to manifest itself, and it only grows and it grows and it grows. But where there is light, it drives out the darkness. So I just want to tell you, if you are here and you feel isolated and you feel alone and you feel marginalized, this is the place for you. We love you. There are people here who value you. We want to walk through life with you. We want to support you. And we need your help in that. Don't ever walk through your battles alone because you will not be as successful when you bottle it all up inside and when you try to do it all alone. And when you go through this life thinking you don't need to rely on anybody else and you've got it and you can handle it, you're good. You set yourself up for defeat. You set yourself up to meet some dangerous breaking points. So I'm begging you. Don't feel like you're alone. You will not be marginalized. You will not be pushed aside. You are loved. 
You are valued. And life is hard, and there are seasons where it becomes even harder. Don't walk through those alone. Every life tells a story. We saw last week that all of, the, all of our conduct, all of the choices that we make, all of the thoughts that we think, all of the words that we speak, all this collectively defines who we are as people. And we saw that as people who follow Jesus, there are some things that should define our life. There are some things that should define who we are. And many of these things fly in the face of our culture as a whole. Many of these things are countercultural. Many of these things are in short supply in our world that's in such desperate need of them. And, and the Bible says that, that it's the fruit of the Spirit. And what that means is when we make the decision to follow Jesus, God literally comes and resides within us. The Spirit of God resides within us. And as such, our lives begin to look differently because we were given a new nature. We're no longer just going after everything that we desire, but now God is at work within us, changing our desires, changing the things that we go after, changing what we seek. And last week we saw that the first three things that, that should define the life of people who follow Jesus are love. That, that is the foundational point that all this hinges upon. That the, that the people who follow Jesus should be known and should be defined by their love. And then built upon love are joy and peace. And as we've seen, our world needs so much more love. And there's just this absence of joy. And where there's an absence of love and an absence of joy, there is no peace. But for people who follow Jesus, these are things that need to define us. And today we're just going to look at the next three characteristics as well of what the life of people who follow Jesus should look like. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, and is patience. Now patience can be incredibly challenging. Patience can be incredibly challenging. If you're a parent, you understand. If you're married, you understand. If you're in a serious relationship, you understand. If you've just started dating somebody, Give it a couple months, you'll understand. That will end, I promise you. Or the relationship will end, one of the two. But patience is incredibly, incredibly challenging. And our society is just a society that wants everything instantaneously. 96% of Americans consume food or drinks that they know are too hot and will burn their mouths but they still consume them as opposed to waiting. I'm telling you, there is nothing as annoying as the burn that you get from the first bite of the pizza that you know is too hot, but then the cheese just rips the roof of your mouth to shreds right behind your teeth. And then for the next two to three days, you just got that, that burn residue there from the pizza. But we've all done it. You get the pizza delivered. It's, it's piping hot. They've kept it in a bag. You go in, you bite in, and it's just scalding and you're like ah well that was too hot 
But then what do you do? You go in for the second bite because the damage is already done, right? The roof of the mouth, it's already burnt. Why not? If you want to, if you ever are at a high school football game or a college football game in October or November, and you go and you get hot chocolate, it's either going to be freezing cold or it is piping hot, like Satan brewed it and gave it to you hot. And you're just, the, the, the mouth is just, it's shot. Like your tongue feels like sandpaper for the next week after that initial drink. But 96% of Americans consume food and drinks that they know are too hot, but as opposed to letting it cool down, they just go right in for it. More than 50% of people hang up after being on hold for one minute or less. Now, I understand the hold music a lot of times can drive you absolutely insane. So I understand that. But 50% of people hang up after being on hold for one minute or less time. And 71% of people exceed the speed limit every single time they drive. 71% of people exceed the speed limit every single time they drive because they want to get somewhere faster. Paul was, was writing a letter to a church in Thessalonica, and he was expanding on this idea, and he wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. He said this, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So notice, people fall in different categories. People fall in different categories. People do different things. But he says this, ad admonish the idle, get on the lazy. There are some people who are lazy. And he says, get on the lazy. If you're a business owner, if you manage people, if you have kids, get on the lazy. Don't allow people just to be lazy. Get on them. Don't, don't just let them walk through life with, with no drive, never reaching their potential. Get on the lazy. That just shows that you care about them and their development. Encourage the weary. He says, encourage the faint-hearted. There are people who, who are just walking, and again, they're dealing with a lot of stuff, and it's taking their toll. And they're not sleeping, and they're, or, or they are sleeping, but they're still just beaten down because of what they're wrestling through and what they're fighting with. And they're just tired, and they're weary. And he says, encourage those people. Encourage the weary. Assist those who need it. Help the weak. Assist people who need it. You don't treat everybody the same because not everybody acts the same. And that's exactly what he's saying here. You don't just treat everybody in the exact same way. No, the people who are lazy, you go and you motivate them. You chew them out a little bit. You, you encourage them, whatever it takes. But you motivate them to the point that they're no longer lazy. To the people who are going through a lot of stuff, you don't chew them out, but you encourage them. You celebrate them, you, you, you just you encourage them to keep going, to keep fighting, to make it through. And you assist those who are weak and who can't do it on their own. And then he says this, but be patient, be patient with them all. Be patient with them all. And here's the thing, it's easier to be patient with certain people in certain scenarios and certain situations. Like, you may be a person who's more patient with people who are weak, but not so much with people who need the encouragement, or not people who are lazy. Or maybe you're somebody who's, who's more patient with the lazy than you are people who need more encouragement and, and who need more help. 
who are just naturally weaker. Or maybe you're somebody who, who's more patient with a couple of the categories. But no, he says, no matter what people are dealing with, no matter where you are with the people that you encounter, be patient with them all. You don't treat everybody the same way, but you do have patience for everyone. Be patient with all. And so when you have the coworker who's incredibly lazy, you don't just accept their laziness, but you do show patience. When you have the person who's going through a lot of things and who's just broken down and who's weary and who's just dragging, you don't just let them stay there forever. You want to encourage them. You want to help them get through. But you're patient in the process. And the person who's weak. And who needs more help. You're patient with them, understanding their circumstances. Now You don't treat everybody the same way, but you do have patience with them all. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's being kind to people. Our world is in desperate need of more kindness. Our world is in desperate need of more kindness. And this isn't an exclusive, this isn't an exclusive conclusion to people who follow Jesus. Everybody would look at it and say, we need more kindness. And there's all kinds of endeavors that are out there now that are striving to bring more kindness to the world. So this isn't an exclusively Christian concept, but it just goes to show how desperate people are to be treated in a kind manner. It just goes to show you how much kindness is needed because we've gotten to a point where people are just toxic with one another and people just want to destroy other people. And, and people, they, they no longer think through the implications of that, but they see destroying people as kind of sport and it's kind of a game to people and everybody's a troll online because they can be and they hide behind just these screen names of anonymity and they type things that they would never dare say to someone's face but they put it out there and then it's out there for all to see and it's just we're in desperate need of kindness and it's easy it's easy to be kind to people who are kind to us it's easy to be kind to people who are kind to us but as people who follow Jesus, we have an even greater standard than just being kind to people who are kind to us. Jesus was talking in Luke 6.31, and he said this, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. This is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But what happens is we lose sight of that a lot of times. And instead of treating people in the way that we want to be treated, we treat people in the way that they treat us. 
You ever been cut off on the interstate? And then had the opening to fly around the person who just cut you off and then cut them off? I, for one, would never do that. I'm going to confess something to you. I got in a fight with a trucker this week. Now, it wasn't like, it wasn't an actual physical altercation because he was in a truck and I was in a car, but it would have been had we not been in vehicles because he cut me off. And it's one thing to get cut off, but it's another thing to get cut off by a truck who then doesn't, and again, confession, confession, I may have found myself in the 71% of Americans who was going a little quicker than they should have been. And then when you cut me off and reduce my speed by six miles an hour from the speed I want to be going to a speed that may or may not still be illegal based on how well calibrated your speedometer is. And who's really to say? I mean, I don't have the radar gun, so my speedometer could have been calibrated incorrectly. But then I swept over to the left lane, and then I just shared via my actions of how it feels to be cut off and then have somebody go slower in front of you. So then the truck driver got over to the right lane, not to travel in the lane he should have because he wasn't passing anybody, but to attempt to pass me. That was not going to happen. And so I traveled at a speed just fast enough that he couldn't get around me but not as fast as he would like to travel. He greeted me, not with a wave, but with the finger. I did not return that gesture. The Spirit of God at work within me. I just waved. He flicked me off with like two hands. I'm like, you're driving a truck. Two hands. I may have blown him a kiss at this moment. Because I just thought he needed some love, all right? He, uh, he then started shouting vulgarities at me that I couldn't hear, but I could read his lips. And then I got off the exit, and uh, that was that. Now, in my confession, I want to share with you all. I was not kind to him. Why? Because I was treating him in the way that he was treating me. Now, I didn't flick him off and I didn't cuss at him. Uh, but, I, you know, I, generally when somebody flicks you off, you don't, waving doesn't really diffuse the situation. And then when they give you two birds, generally is not the response that they're looking for. I discovered. I had a pretty good idea, but I discovered. Why? Because what, what did I do? I lost sight of this. I didn't treat him in the way that I would want to be treated. I treated him in the way that he treated me, and I missed it. I missed it. Because in that moment, I lost, I lost sight of the value that he has as an individual and is standing before God. Because in my desire to get somewhere quicker, in my desire to be right, in my desire to just be like, oh, you're not going to cut me off, I lost sight of his value 
as a person because of something as arbitrary as what speed I was going on the interstate. See, for us, the standard has to be higher. For me, the standard has to be higher. It's not to treat people in the way that they treat us. It's for us to treat people in the way that we want to be treated. Now, when we treat people in the way that they want to be treated, will some people take advantage of us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Some people will take advantage of us. Some people will, will use that to, to just use that in their favor. And we have to be okay knowing that. That there are some people who will take advantage of us, and we have to be okay with that fact. We have to say, you know what? That says more about them than it does me. That we have to be people who are kind. Everyone is a fan of grace. Everyone is a fan of grace when they're in need of it. But the minute that somebody wrongs us, our love and our desire for grace diminishes incredibly. But as people who follow Jesus, we need to be gracious and we need to be kind. That is God working within us. That the life of those who follow Jesus looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. We need to do good. We need to be people who do good in our lives. As people who follow Jesus, we don't need to live a conflicted life. If you follow Jesus, follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, follow Jesus with your conduct. Follow Jesus with your speech. Follow Jesus with your thoughts. Follow Jesus with what you do. There's no part of us that needs to live a conflicted life. Jesus was talking about this idea in Matthew 12 when he says this, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. Right? Jesus says, make up your mind. Either make it good or make it bad. Don't try to straddle the fence. Don't, don't try to tiptoe on the line where you've got one foot doing what's good, but the other foot over here doing what you know you shouldn't do. Jesus says, make up your mind. Either be good or be bad. That's incredible. That Jesus would say that. Just make up your mind already. You either be good or you be bad. And then he says this, you brood of vipers. Because he's talking to a crowd of people who with their mouths acknowledge that they loved God. But his conduct said anything but. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. 
But Jesus just says, make up your mind. Talks cheap. You be consistent. You be consistent with your life. So I just want to ask, do your motives match the words that you speak publicly? Do your private conversations match the words that you speak publicly? Do the things that you do measure up with how you portray yourself? Do you do good? The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, and it's goodness. So I just want to ask you, what are you producing? Is it love? It's where it all starts. Is it joy? Do you laugh? Do you smile? Is it peace? Are you patient? Are you kind? Do you do good? Because as people who follow Jesus, this is what we're called to be. This is who we're called to be. And so our conduct needs to match this. The words that we say need to match this. The thoughts that we think need to match this. And when people look at us, they need to see love. They need to see joy. They need to see peace. They need to see patience. They need to see kindness. And they need to see that we do good. God, in this world that we live in, there is hurt and there is heartache all around. Help us be the antidote. Help us be seen as people who love. Help us be seen as people who are full of joy. Help us be defined as full of peace. God, that we would be patient. That as we interact with different people, we treat them in different ways as you tell us to, but God, we would be patient with all. That we would be kind. Not just to the people who treat us kindly. But God, that we would not lose sight of the fact that we need to look at others and treat them in the way that we wish they would treat us. Not in the way that they treat us. And God, that we would do good as people who follow you 
that our conduct would match what we say. And the words we speak. So God, help us. In all that we say, in all that we do, point others to you and the lives that we lead. We ask in your son Jesus' name.